how to overcome anger and offense. Many people have lost their jobs, have lost their relationships because of anger. As I'm speaking, there are some people who are in jail because of anger. Some people lost great businesses. Some people lost great opportunities because they allowed anger to control them. A lot of relationships have been destroyed because one partner or one friend was overcome by anger. You find yourself breaking stuff, doing things that you're not supposed to do just because you are angry. It's unfortunate that we have a lot of Christians that we have lost because of anger. So today we'll look at what causes anger and offense and how to deal with that. There are some few things that we'll do and possibly we'll continue with this topic even next week. Today we'll look at one very popular man. He's very popular, he's very known in the scriptures. That's John the Baptist. So we'll start by looking at John the Baptist and there are some few things that I want us to learn from him and how he dealt with offense, how he dealt with anger. You know, he sometimes referred to as John the baptizer. John was the forerunner of Jesus. He preached about God's final judgment and he baptized those who repented. He had a great number of followers. His mother, the name of his mother was Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Mary, they were related, they were cousins. So John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. In actual fact, Jesus and John the Baptist, they connected even before they were born. You know, his mother, Elizabeth, was barren for quite some time. And his father, Zechariah, was one of the priests. So he was saving in the temple. And one day as he was saving, the angel of God came and told Zechariah, while he was saving in the temple, that God will bless them with a son. And the name of that son will be John. Six months later, the angel went to Mary, visited Mary, and, and told Mary that she also will be blessed with a son. And the name of the son is Jesus. So, so the angel also confirmed that Elizabeth, your cousin, Elizabeth, your relative, is also expecting a son. And a few days later, we see Mary visiting Elizabeth to go and confirm. And when they started to greet one another, when they started to greet each other, the Bible says the two babies, they got connected and they got excited. They got connected through the Holy Spirit. John and Jesus got connected even before they were born. That's how close they were. Later, the two were born. And they started their own ministries about, about 30 years later. They started their ministries. John started his ministry first before Jesus. Actually, some people, they thought, and they were convinced that John is the Messiah. And John had to keep on telling them, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. The Messiah is still coming. He kept on saying, no, I'm not the one. So he recognized and he announced that his cousin, Jesus is the Messiah. And there are a lot of good things that John said about Jesus. I want us to quickly uh, read in the book of John chapter 1, verse 23. And let's see what John said about 
Jesus. There's quite a lot of things that we, we can learn uh, from this experience. The Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 23, John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am just a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. So John is saying, I'm not the Lord. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just here to clear the way for him. So John told them, I baptized with water. But right here in the crowd, it's someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is the one I'm talking about. I was talking about when I said a man is coming. When I said a man is coming. So he was talking about Jesus. When he said he is still coming. He's still coming and he takes away the sins of the world. He's the one that we have been waiting for. And this man, he says, a man is coming after me who is far, far greater than I am. You can see how John positions himself before Jesus. He says, Jesus is much, much greater than I am. I can't compare myself with him. For he existed long before me. So he recognizes Jesus as God. He says, I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. He says, I did not tell you that he's the Messiah, but I wanted him to be, to be, to be revealed to Israel so that you know him, you recognize him as the Messiah. Verse 32, then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Now, John is talking about the time when he baptized Jesus. When he baptized Jesus, because John is the one who baptized Jesus. When Jesus was about to start his ministry, he went to John. He didn't go to the priest. He didn't go to the prophet. He didn't go anywhere. He went to John to be baptized by John. Verse 33, I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the, the spirit descend and rest is the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he's a chosen one of God. John is saying he saw the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. He says, I saw, in verse 32, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I know some people, they believe that the Holy Spirit came, you know, it was a dove that came up, up above Jesus and, and, and sat on his head. That, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he was descending like a dove. He says when the Holy Spirit came, he came like, you know, like a dove when it flows, when, when it flies and it, and it comes down, when it descends. He says that's how the Holy Spirit came. That's how the Holy Spirit came. He came down like, like a dove. Not in the form of a dove. He says he came like a dove, like how the dove flies, how the dove descends. 
Now, if ever there is a man who knew Jesus, if ever there is a man who was convinced about Jesus and he knew everything about Jesus was John the Baptist. John believed so much in Jesus. He was fully convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. John loved Jesus with his whole heart. He told everyone that Jesus is the real deal. He is the Messiah. In actual fact, at some point, he even sent his own disciples. You know, during those days when you, when you were a rabbi, you had people who followed you. And those people, they became your imitators. They became so close. They lived together. They ate together. They did things together. They were very, very neatly connected. Very, very connected. But then what you see here, you know, John, he believed so much in Jesus that he released some of his disciples, like Andrew, the brother of Jesus. I mean, the brother of, of Peter. Andrew was, was one of the followers of John, the Baptist. But he released them. He said, you guys, you can follow him. He followed him. He's the Messiah. He's the one that we have been waiting for all these years. He's the one that all the prophets have been telling us about. He's the one that when you read the Torah, the Torah, the Old Testament, it talks about the coming Messiah. He's the one. John, the Baptist, he was so convinced about Jesus. There's an incident that later happened. What happened is, I think it's in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14. One day, John was arrested. He was arrested for speaking the truth. He was arrested for representing Jesus. He was arrested for representing the gospel, for representing God. He spoke the truth to King Herod. And what he told King Herod was, because King Herod, what he did is, he, he took his brother's wife. He took his brother's wife. The name of his brother was Philip. And the name of Philip's wife was Herodias. And one day, King Herod, he took his brother's wife. And King Herod was married. Philip was also married. But King Herod, he went and he proposed and he took uh, Herod, uh, uh, Philip's wife. So, John, he came out very clear and started to tell him that this is wrong. You're not supposed to do that. You can't do that. And Herod got angry and he arrested him. He put him in prison. The Bible, the Bible says John was so popular, says that it was difficult for, for King Herod even to kill him. He could not kill him because he knew that if he could kill him, people would protest and possibly he might cause a riot. So he just kept John in prison. He just kept John in prison. And after John was arrested, Jesus heard about it. But unfortunately, he did not stop doing ministry. The Bible says Jesus continued to do ministry. He did not even visit his cousin, John, in prison. And that did not go well with John. John got offended. John got offended. He got angry. He was so angry that he started to doubt. Just imagine. Somebody has been preaching about Jesus who believed that he's the Messiah. Now he changed his mind. He came to a point. He came to a level where he started to doubt if Jesus was the Messiah. The very same John who knew Jesus from birth, 
Most of us Christians became, you know, Christians later in our lives. Maybe you became a Christian when you were a teenager. Maybe you were at the university or at the college when you accepted Christ. Maybe you got born again after you got, you got married, when you're an adult already. John knew Jesus right from conception. They got connected even before they were born. His ministry was to tell the people to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare their hearts for Jesus. People had to prepare themselves for the coming Messiah. So John started his ministry even before Jesus started his ministry. When Jesus started his ministry, like I said, he did not go to the priest, he didn't go to the prophet, he went straight to his cousin John to be baptized by him. John is the one who baptized Jesus, who baptized the Messiah before he started his ministry. And one day Jesus said, there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. John was so convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. But when he got arrested, when he got arrested, when he got imprisoned, he started to doubt. He started to question his faith in Jesus. John sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus if he's the Messiah. If he's the Messiah. And if this could happen to John, if John can be angry, if John can be offended, how about you and me as Christians? We also can be offended. Let's look at what John says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Jesus, of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, verse 3, and said to him, are you the coming one? Or are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another one? In other words, I, I start to doubt if you are the real Messiah. I start to doubt if you are the real Christ. Should we start looking for another one? Look at, the, look at the response that Jesus gave in verse 4. He says, the ministry is going on. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I like verse 6, and we're going to spend a lot of time on verse 6. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So Jesus knew that John was offended. John was offended. Now, after this incident, if you go to Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says King Herod, he hosted a birthday party for himself. Guess who was among the guests? Yes, Herodias. Herodias, the wife of, of, of Philip, his brother, his girlfriend, also came. And she came with her daughter. And the Bible says the daughter danced so well until he got impressed. When King Herod got impressed and he called that daughter, that girl, and he said, Tell me what you need. Anything that you want, I will do it for you. And the girl was so confused. The girl was so confused. And she went to her mom. She went to her mom and she asked mom and said, mom, 
The king says, I can ask for anything. He give it to me. And the mother out of anger said, just go and tell him, we want John's head on a tray. In short, what you are saying is, go and kill John the Baptist, who is in jail right now. And the king ordered that John should be killed with immediate effect. And surely John was killed even before they finished the party. They cut his head and they brought it to the girl's uh, presence. And she took that head to her mother. And the Bible says later, his disciples came to collect his body for burial. We are talking about John the Baptist here. He's the greatest prophet, the man who baptized Jesus. You know, it's like he was the greatest celebrity of the time. He got offended at Jesus. And after getting offended, what was next? He was executed, he was killed. Why, why did Jesus, why, why did God, I mean, John got angry? Why did he get offended with Jesus? Because John had some expectations that were not fulfilled. And all of us would get offended when we expect something, or we expect someone to do something for us, and they don't do it. We get offended. He expected Jesus to be the Messiah. He expected Jesus to take over the government and set up a new government. That was his expectation. Instead, he finds himself in jail. He finds himself in prison. And he thought maybe Jesus did not know. And he sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus, what's going on here? I'm in jail. You don't even come to visit me. And he started to question if Jesus is the real Messiah. He thought Jesus will use his messianic power, will use his power to set him free from the prison. He thought Jesus will help him. But instead, he feel, it feels like Jesus failed him. Jesus failed to meet his expectations, and he got angry. He did not only get angry, John the Baptist also got offended. Brothers and sisters, there is no scripture. I don't have any scriptural background or anything. But this coincidence, to me, it speaks volumes. That he got angry at Jesus. He got offended at Jesus. Later, he was killed. There is nothing good that comes out of anger. Nothing good that comes out of offense. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, I mean in verse 6, he says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Paul, Paul emphasized this point in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. He says, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. And Jesus knew that John was offended, that Jesus did not come to see him in prison. Jesus did not even come, you know, to set him free. John allowed anger to overcome him, to overpower him. 
Just like I said, I do not have any evidence or biblical references or any authority to say this. But coincidentally, after John was offended, he was later executed. Brothers and sisters, it's very important to control your anger. There is nothing good that your anger can produce. It's quite unfortunate that this world is full of angry people. We have a lot of angry husbands. I know yesterday we're celebrating Father's Day. But we have a lot of angry husbands, a lot of angry fathers. Some of them, that's why they left their children, they left their wives, because they are angry. They are angry. Unfortunately, these angry people, they don't even want to get help. These angry husbands, when they are angry, if they don't get help, they finally kill their children, they kill their wives, and even commit suicide themselves. This anger has been building up for a long time, and they did not get some help. We have a lot of angry wives, a lot of angry wives. There are so many women who are in marriages and relationships that are not happy in. There are a lot of men and women who are in relationships and they're not, they not happy. They're just angry. Every morning they are angry. Every night they are angry. Some they just stay there because of the children. Some they just stay there because of death. Some they just stay there because they want somebody to buy them food. We have a lot of angry people. We have a lot of angry teachers in our schools. We have a lot of angry nurses in our hospitals. We have a lot of angry doctors in our hospitals. We have a lot of angry school principals. We have a lot of angry managers in, in our workplaces. We have a lot of angry directors. We have a lot of angry friends. They are friends, but they are angry. You can tell by the way they talk. You can tell by the way they, they present themselves. You can tell by the way they defend themselves. We have a lot of angry politicians. We have a lot of angry leaders. We have a lot of angry children. We have a lot of angry pastors, even in church. Pastors that are angry. All their lessons, you can tell that they're just venting their anger out. Every time they preach, you can tell that they are speaking their anger. We have a lot of angry church leaders. This world is full of angry people. On the road where we drive, in the freeway, we have a lot of angry drivers. And today I would like us to about the way out of this vicious cycle of anger and bitterness. We look at the cycle of bitterness and see how can we come out of this cycle of bitterness? We have seen John the Baptist, he was angry and he stayed in that cycle of bitterness. He, he was bitter, he was angry, he was offended and he stayed there. And at the end, he died. I'm going to share with you a cycle that, I've, uh, that I have drawn here. I call it the cycle of bitterness and it's going to help us deal with our anger. It's going to help us deal with our anger. I want us to go through this cycle in the next few minutes or so. When somebody speaks something that you do not like, or somebody do, they do something that you do not like, you get disappointed. We get disappointed when people do what we don't expect them to do. Every time somebody does something that you do not expect, you get disappointed. And that's what we have in number one. You get disappointed 
because you had some expectations. You are expecting something. You're expecting them to behave a certain way. You're expecting them to do something and they did not do it. Then you get disappointed. You have what you call unmet needs. Unmet needs. And after you got disappointed because somebody said something that you did not like, or somebody said something about you that you're not happy about. Now, you get disappointed. Now, number two, the next thing is you get offended. It's offense. You get hurt. You have pain. You have emotional pain. Somebody offended you. Somebody offended you. So then you have an unmet need. You got disappointed. The next step is you get offended. You get hurt. You have pain. And after pain, the next thing is anger. You get angry. Especially if they don't come and apologize. Especially if they behave like nothing has happened. And extended anger, if you continue with that anger for an extended period, the next thing will be bitterness and resentment. You become bitter. You become bitter. You become angry. And resent, you have resentment in your heart. Because you are angry and you are bitter, you feel like they need to do something. If they don't do anything, if they don't come and apologize, if they do not pay you back, the next thing is you want to revenge. That's number five. You want to revenge. You want to pay back. You, you want to equalize. You feel like if I can revenge, I will feel better. If I can revenge, I will feel much, much better. And after you have revenged, after you have done whatever you want to do, maybe you start to speak bad about them, you feel like you are revenging. Maybe you, you do something bad. That may even throw you in jail or you beat them. Anything that you can do to revenge, you do it, it leads to sin. Any form of revenge will always result in sin. There is no clean revenge in life. Every time you revenge, it results in sin. It results in sin. And if you are a Christian, after sin, the next thing is guilt. It's guilt. Why do you have guilt? It's because you have revenged. But it did not meet the need that you thought it would meet. You have revenge. You have done what you wanted to do. You have spoken bad about their names. You have gossiped about them. And now you feel guilty. And it goes back, number one, you have unmet need. What you thought revenge would do, it did not do that. And you feel disappointed again. You feel disappointed again, and you continue with offense again, and you get angry, bitter, revenge, and you continue with this cycle. I call it the freeway of anger or the cycle of bitterness. You live your life at night, during the day, in the morning, you go to work with this cycle inside your heart, with this cycle in your mind, with this cycle in your life. Most people are living in this cycle. There is no solution for their lives. They're just angry because their husband didn't pay child support. Or the father of their children, they're not taking care of their, they're not taking care of their children. Maybe somebody gossiped about you and you got angry and you are still hurt even today. Maybe you lost your job because of somebody who offended you 
And now you are still angry. If it was not for so and so, I will still be working. I will still be having my job. And you are still angry. And you continue your life in this cycle of bitterness. Most people, most women, most men, they are living in this cycle of bitterness. They are living in this cycle of bitterness. Inside your heart, the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Most people inside their heart, if you look at the center, that is your heart. That's what's going on in your heart. You have emotional pain. You have depression. You have, you have stress. You, have, you, know, you have brokenness, malice, jealousy, gossip. Because you feel like if I speak bad about him, I will feel better. Most people who gossip about someone, it's because they are angry. That gossip, it comes out of anger. They feel like if I gossip about them, if I speak bad about them, if I badmouth them, I will feel better. Some they have envy, mistrust, hate. Some people, they will never speak, they will never say anything positive about you. They will say something, uh, you know, even if they see something good, they will always be negative. They will always say, they will always see something bad. Oh, you have a good house, but you have a good car, but they'll always find something negative to say. Instead of just saying a positive and leave it there, they'll always have something positive to say, but they must finish with something negative. Maybe out of jealousy, out of anger, because they are living in this cycle. Every time they speak, they must always find something negative to say about you. Because they are living in anger. So you have to listen to people when they speak. You can read, you can hear anger out of their mouth. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of their heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the center, when somebody is full of these things, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to people when they speak. You can tell that they're just, they're just spitting out anger. They're just angry. They're just bitter. Something happened. Most of the people that you work with, they are so angry. Most of the managers that, managers that you work with, they are so angry. And sometimes you see them behaving the way they behave. You think it's because you missed the deadline for, the, for submitting your report. Maybe because they did not do a good job. No, no, no. It's because they are angry. They are angry. And they are showing that anger on you. They are spitting out that anger on you. And because you do not know what's going on in their lives, you think it's because of you. It's because you missed, you missed the deadline. It's because he did not submit what you're supposed to submit. Anger comes from the heart. Bitterness, brokenness, and all this kind of stuff. They don't trust anybody. Full of hate. All this is inside the heart. Because you are angry. Because you are angry. There is a way out. Thank God there is a way out. What I call an offering, an offering, the breaking point of forgiveness, the breaking point of forgiveness. Let's quickly go through this. All this, these blue lines here that are going out, that's an offering. You can offer them out of this freeway, out of this round freeway that you are, you are moving, you know, you are, you are, you are moving in this freeway, you are, you are flowing in this freeway every day. You wake up in the morning, you are angry. You go to bed in the evening, you are angry. 
You're you you just inside this cycle of bitterness. You are so bitter. Even your children, when they look at you, they know that today mommy is not happy. They have to be away from you because they don't know what, else, what, what next will happen. They know that daddy is not happy today. They have to stay away from you because of the anger. Brothers and sisters, there's a way out. There's a way out. Let's go back to what Paul says. Let's say somebody did not meet your needs. They, they disappointed you. Even before you get offended, before you get hurt, before you get the emotional pain, Paul says, Paul says, I have made the decision. In Acts chapter 24, verse 6, this being so, I, I myself, I myself, I myself. In other words, it, it's on me. I have made a decision. I have made a decision. He says, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. People are offended. Some are angry at God because he did not answer their, their prayers. He did not meet your needs. Maybe you're praying for somebody to be healed and they did not get healed. And you are angry at God. And Paul says, I have made a decision that I will not allow anything to move to the next level, number two. I will not allow anything to offend me. It's a decision that I want to make to off-ramp here. Before I get angry, before I get offended, let me off-ramp. Let me make a decision that you will not offend me. You make it so difficult for somebody to offend you. Yes, I know what you said is wrong. I know what you said is bad. What you did, it's evil. But I made a decision that I'm not going to be offended by you. I'm not going to allow you to disturb my peace. And I will continue with my peace in spite of what you have done, in spite of what you, uh, you said about me. If you are offended, before you move to the next stage of anger, you can also offer him by forgiving. Yes, I know what you did is wrong, but I make a decision to forgive you. I'm not saying what you are saying is right, what you said is right. I'm not saying what you did is right. It's wrong, but I forgive you. To forgive simply means to say, you owe me $5, you owe me five rand or 10 rand, but I make a decision that you don't have to pay me that money that you owe me. That is what you call forgiveness. You don't have to pay. I don't have to revenge. I have made a decision that I will not revenge. I will not pay back. That's all that forgiveness means. I'm not saying you don't owe me. I'm not saying you did not do anything bad. Yes, it's bad what you did. It's wrong. It's evil. But I make a decision to, to forgive you. And that's what God did to us, by the way. He forgave us. We were not right. There's a lot of things that we did that God did not like about us. But he forgave us. And God says, can you extend that same forgiveness to another person? If you have moved to the next level of anger, still there is a way out. Still there is, you know, there is an off-ramp out of this freeway. And the off-ramp is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The Bible says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't extend your anger. You can be angry, but you don't have to sin. You don't have to revenge. You don't have to move to bitterness because extended anger, it's called bitterness. 
You can be angry for a day, but make sure that by the end of the day, you are done with your anger. You move on. Because if you extend it, it, it moves to bitterness and revenge. And that is sinful. So the Bible says you can be angry, but you don't have to sin. You don't have to break stuff. You don't have to start speaking bad to, to your people or to your husband or to your wife. You don't have to speak bad about them. You don't have to, you know, to, to, to speak anything that will offend them. Anger is very dangerous. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down. Some of you have let the sun go down with your anger. Some of you have extended your anger for a week. Some of you have extended your anger for six months. Some of you have extended your anger for a year. Some of you have extended your, your anger for 15 years. Some of you are angry at somebody. You don't even remember what they did. But what you know is you are angry at them. Oh, 15 years ago, this is what they did. And I'll never forgive them. They owe me an apology. What if they don't come and apologize? You will continue to live in this, in this cycle of bitterness? Unforgiveness is like poison. It's like poison. And if you remain there in this cycle of bitterness, guess who is in pain? It's you. It's killing you. It's killing your health. You don't have peace because you can't forgive. And you are still angry. We always say that unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison. You drink poison and you expect your neighbor to die. You expect your, your enemy to die, but it's you who's drinking the poison. As long as you're in this cycle of bitterness, this, this cycle of anger, you are busy drinking poison every day. Guess who is dying? Guess who's not enjoying life? It's you. It's you. But if you can do what the Bible says, it will set you free. You will be free and free indeed. Even when you sing and say, I'm free, I'm free to be the servant of the Lord. When you sing in church, it's true, you'll be free. We have a lot of people who sing, I am free, I am free, but they are not free. I'm talking about Christians here. They are bound by unforgiveness. They are bound by anger. They're not free. They're not free. Let's look at what the Bible says about revenge. What the Bible says about bitterness and revenge and resentment. Now let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. The Bible says, dear friends, never take revenge. This is very important. Never take revenge. He says, don't move to, to number five. Don't move, don't move. Don't revenge. That's the Bible. He says, don't move to number five. Don't take revenge. Just leave it. Just exit. Exit. Take an off-ramp before you move to number five. Before you revenge. Before you revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Leave that with God. Let God be the one let God be the one who will revenge, not you. 
For the scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back. Brothers and sisters, let's just leave everything to the hands of God. Let's, you know, you have faith to believe God for your car. You have faith to believe God for your healing. You have faith to believe God for anything, for the house. You have faith to believe God for whatever you need. Why don't you have faith to believe God for forgiveness? Why don't you trust God that even if it's difficult, even if you are in pain, let me trust God that he will help me to forgive. He will help me to deal with this situation. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to stay in this cycle of bitterness. A lot of people are living in this cycle of bitterness. And here we're talking about one incident. Just imagine if you have two people who have offended you. Now you have double of this cycle of bitterness in your life going on in your heart, going on in your mind every day. Some of you have five people that have offended you and you have not forgiven them. Some of you have 10 people that have offended. You have all these cycles going on in your life every day, every day. And just imagine you are a brother, you are a sister and you meet somebody who wants to marry you and they have all these cycles all this confusion going on in their lives. What kind of a husband, what kind of a wife do you expect from them? We need to exit out of this. You can't live like life like this. This is not how to live life. You have to find a way to exit out of this cycle of bitterness. As we're going to close, Paul says, this being so, I myself always strive to make a conscious without offense toward God and men. I, I, I will not allow people to offend me because I know what offense can do. I know what anger can do. We have seen what it did to John the Baptist. If it can happen with John the Baptist, it can happen to us also if you're not careful. Guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. What is inside your heart? What is inside your heart? Be a security guard of your own heart. All the issues of life flow out of it. Just imagine, like I said, you meet someone who has been offended. And every time you talk to them, they always talk about people who have offended them. They always talk about anger, how angry they are, how offended they are, that they will never forgive them. I'm not saying what somebody did to you is right. I'm not saying that. I'm not justifying that. What I'm saying is, how long will you stay angry? How long will you continue in that cycle? How is it affecting your family? How is it affecting your relationships? How is it affecting your, your job? At your job, nobody wants to be next to you because always you speak, your, you speak anger. You always speak anger. What they see in you is just anger, bitterness. You cannot enjoy life while having anger in your heart. Like I said, even if you sing choruses and songs like I'm delivered, praise the Lord. You know that you're not delivered. You're not delivered. You're not free. You're just lying to yourself. You're not free. You're not delivered. You need to let those things go. You need to let those people go. You need to exit from that uh, freeway. You need to offer them. Forgiveness is saying, you do not have to owe me. You don't have to pay me what you owe me. And this is exactly what Jesus did to you and me. 
He forgave us. We have seen the Lord. We owe him a lot. But he made the decision to forgive us. He decided to forgive us. And he says, you do not have to pay for your sins. You do not have to pay what you owe us. Can you also make a decision that you do not have to revenge? You do not have to wish them bad. Yes, they did not do things right. They did not do you right. Yes, it was wrong. It was unfair. Yes, it damaged you. It damaged your character. It damaged your life. Maybe you even lost your job. Maybe you failed in school because of them. It cost you a lot of money. Yes, I understand that. And some of you even cost you your health. Maybe some of you even lost someone. Someone died because of what people did to you. Look at what finally happened with John the Baptist when he did not want to forgive Jesus, when he stayed in offense. He refused to forgive Jesus. When you forgive, you offer him. You get out of the cycle. You are doing yourself a favor. You are doing your family a favor. You start to live a happy life. You are doing your church a favor if you are a pastor. You are doing your children a favor if you are a parent. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a decision that you made, and you can make that decision today. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Let me quickly talk about this. Forgiveness and reconciliation is not the same thing. Forgiveness is when you make a decision to offer them, and you say, I don't want to participate in that cycle anymore. I'm off. I'm getting out of this cycle. Reconciliation is when the other person is willing to make some changes in their behavior. And they are willing to do life together with you. They are willing also to continue with you. And you have the same objectives. And you continue to work together or live together. You have to make a decision. Jesus did not command us to reconcile. He commanded us to forgive. To forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. He instructs us to forgive as Christians. He says, forgive us as we forgive other people. So in other words, if you do not forgive other people, God will not forgive you. That's a standard that he has set. Forgiveness takes one person. It takes you only to forgive. Whether the other person comes and apologizes or not, that does not matter. You can still forgive them, even if they did not apologize. Jesus forgave us even before we apologized. He says, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. He forgave us at the cross of Calvary, even before we were born, even before we sinned, Jesus decided to forgive us. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two people. If the other person is not, is not willing to make some changes, not, it's, not, it's not there to make some, or available to make some changes, you don't have to reconcile with them. You don't have to live with them anymore. You don't have to stay with them anymore. You can forgive them at a distance. Not everybody that you forgive you have to reconcile with them. Not every friend that you forgive, you have to reconcile with them. When you forgive, you are setting yourself free. When you forgive, you are doing yourself a favor. You are not doing the other person a favor. And that's another mentality that is killing a lot of us. You think if I forgive you or if I forgive a person, I'm doing him a favor. No, no, no. 
No. You feel like if you forgive him, they make you a fool. No. You forgive them because you want to be free. You want to be out of the cycle. You want to be out of the cycle. And I want to challenge you today to make a decision that you want to get out of that cycle. You can't continue with life inside that cycle. It's not normal. It's not going to help you. That anger is not benefiting you anything. You have to make a decision and say, I'm getting out of the cycle. I'm off-ramping from that cycle. I cannot continue that cycle in my life anymore. It's damaging my relationships. It's damaging me. It's damaging my future. It's damaging my business. It's damaging a lot of people around you. Nobody wants to be next to you. Not, no, nobody wants to be around you. Because you are an angry woman. Because you are an angry man. Even if you try to hide it, you try to pretend. At some point, it shows up. This is, a, this is an angry principal. This is an angry manager. This is an angry pastor. You can't continue with your anger like that. That is not how to live life. May God help us. May God give us the courage to exit the cycle of bitterness. Let's pray.